0: This is an Irish independent podcast. Just a heads up, today's podcast contains details of murder that some might find distressing. Today on the Indo-Daily, the Long Island serial killer. How could one of their neighbours, an architect who put out the trash and collected the mail just as they do, be suspected in the murders of three women? Gilgo Beach in Long Island is a remote, sleepy, almost desolate location. The perfect place to conceal a murder.
1: It's a stretch of beach with dunes on either side. You've got the bay on one side, you've got the Atlantic on the other. Especially at night, it would be absolutely empty.
0: Sex workers found tied up, their bodies wrapped in camouflage burlap, dumped near Gilgo Beach. That was 2010, and after an initial outcry from the local community the case went cold amid allegations of police corruption. Now, though, there has been a breakthrough with the arrest of a married father of two, Rex Hireman. You think on this quiet uh, suburban street on this block, there's a killer uh, amongst uh, this community. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Sheila Flynn, reporter with the London Independent, to look at the story of the Gilgo Beach murders. Sheila Flynn... Before we get into this remarkable story, you know Long Island very well. You know Gilgo Beach. Tell me about the area.
1: Yes. So I actually grew up around here. I am from the South shore of Long Island where all of this happened. And it's very remote when you're driving along the appropriately named Ocean Parkway along there. It's just a highway and it's a stretch of beach with dunes on either side. You've got the bay on one side, you've got the Atlantic on the other. And a lot of beachgoers tend to congregate along different areas of this miles long stretch. And Gilgo Beach would be among the more remote parts. No houses, just a lot of desolate beauty, especially at night, it would be absolutely empty. But uh, it's a perfect kind of dumping ground for a serial killer. You'd almost think of it before the bodies begin getting discovered. You know, I'd never go there. A few locals might go, but it's not an area that you usually just happen upon.
0: That was all until 2010 when Strangely enough, a police officer happened to be on that beach walking his dog. Tell me about what they found.
1: So they were actually doing a training exercise with the dog, Blue, and they found the partially decomposed remains of a woman identified later as Melissa Bartholomew. And con- consequent searches after that, within the next few days, found three more bodies all within a similar area, all of a similar age, all petite, and then all believed to be sex workers.
0: They were all aged in their 20s. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yes. Between 22 and 27.
0: So this must have been an utterly shocking revelation for such a remote, quiet area.
1: It was. Nobody knew what was going on. And then as more searches were conducted, more bodies over the years began to be found and nobody knew Were they connected? Some fit the victimology. People were scared because people did not know what was happening. I mean, I remember not long ago, maybe six or seven years ago, I distinctly remember a fight with my dad when I was home visiting and I wanted to go for like a five mile walk at about 11 p.m. for God knows what reason. And my dad shouted at me like, no, there's a serial killer. I mean, people were talking about it and people were afraid.
0: And what were the, theories initially. I mean, the bodies of four young women showing up like that out of nowhere with no real backstory. There must have been a million theories.
1: There were. Long Island is a very heavily middle class community. I think the fact that they were believed to be sex workers did contribute to the case falling by the wayside. I think a lot of people thought they wouldn't fit the victimology. And while people were talking about it, I don't know if it was investigated as thoroughly as it could have been, sadly.
0: It started with four. In the end, or at least the reports I've seen, suggest that there was 11 people found in that same area. Can you explain that?
1: Yeah, now this gets pretty dicey because the definition of area totally varies. Like, it could be up to 18. If you broaden it, it could be fewer. We don't really know. Some of the victims like there was a toddler found, there was a man found, people who don't necessarily fit. And that is the part of the investigation that remains very much developing. Uh, and that's why the suspect has only currently been charged with three. But I most people fully expect that number to go up. Not necessarily to 11 or higher, but definitely up by a few.
0: Tell me about the police efforts at the time, back in 2010. What was the initial kind of search manhunt investigation like? So,
1: Initially, they announced the investigation. They did announce the FBI was coming in. And at the time, they said the victims were believed to have been sex workers who had advertised their services online. But even almost from the very get-go, you had different officials positing different theories, uh, whether it was one killer, whether it was a few. uh, And the investigation, it was never hugely transparent what was happening. What they were looking for, one or several killers, wasn't really clear. And it was all very confusing.
0: So, obviously, there was a lot of headlines, a lot of news about this back in 2010. And then, as you mentioned, it goes cold and it kind of just kind of filters into the background and almost to the point where people are assuming this is just never going to be solved. We'll never know what happened.
1: Exactly. It did. People didn't feel like it was going to be solved. And I think because. Headlines came out that there had been a lot of police corruption. I think people's hopes that any evidence that would have been collected would have been kept in chain of evidence. People didn't really feel like the investigation had been done well. A new task force was convened last year in January. And within two months of that, they had identified a suspect. So, what does that tell you? It didn't take them very long once they really hunkered down and started looking at everything that they had.
0: And that suspect, do we believe that they really he just came to their attention at that point or was he always on a list going back all the years?
1: Honestly, legit, it looks like he just came across their radar after last year because they matched his vehicle to a description of a vehicle given by a witness. And from there, it just took off running over 300 search warrants. I mean, I have all the court documents in front of me and they have rock solid evidence against this guy. But it all seems to have only started last year.
0: So tell me about him.
1: Well, his name is Rex Huerman. He didn't really make much of a mark on his community. He lived in a pretty rundown house in Massapequa Park, which is a pretty upper-middle-class community. Like, let me put it this way, the neighbors would have been complaining that the guy did not re-roof his house. Like, it is that type of area. The neighbors want it to look nice. I mean, the median income in this neighborhood is like $140,000. And the family kept to themselves. He lived on a quiet street, worked as an architect with an office in Manhattan, presumably commuted most days. His adult daughter worked in the architect firm with him. He was married. There was another adult child, but I spoke to a neighbor who said in the 22 years they lived two doors down, they never spoke to the family ever, like kept to themselves big time. But uh, he was a very tall individual. You can even see in the pictures of his arrest, which happened last Thursday night, he's head and shoulders above the other cops. A very big man. And that description also fit the witness description, which described an ogre-like person. So, you know, you have the truck, the car evidence, that physical description matching. The cops also had DNA evidence, phone records. Uh, they have just Tons of stuff on this guy. And he is a Long Island native who went to Massapequa High School, grew up in the area, would have known where the remote parts of that beach were.
0: And do we have any idea whether he was in any trouble before or there is anything that that police could have missed the first time around?
1: No, I mean, well... I mean, that puts us into muddy waters as to whether they could have traced the call back then, whether they missed something. But he had not come to police attention. I mean, this is not a guy with a rap sheet. This is a pretty hidden in plain sight. Outwardly, I mean, normal, we'll put that in quotes because he didn't seem too social. But no one who had really raised red flags before.
0: You mentioned you have the papers there in front of you, Sheila, with some of the evidence. Give us the The kind of headline pieces of evidence outside of, I guess, that witness's description and and of his vehicle and him as an ogre. um give us some of the evidence that police are likely to put forward in this case.
1: Well, they found hairs on some of the bodies on a burlap. he the bodies were mostly bound and buried in burlap sacks. They found hairs on some of the belt buckles used to bind and the burlap. Now, through DNA evidence that they obtained, from the family home's garbage, and from a pizza box that this guy discarded in Manhattan on Fifth Avenue. They matched the DNA to him and to his wife. Now that wife's DNA was likely transfer DNA, you know, a hair came off of him onto a body, something like that, because they think the duct tape and the belts and the other kill kit items that were used probably came from the house, you know, so transfer DNA could have come from anyone within that household onto that stuff Uh, but it's mostly that dna evidence and the calls and the internet searches when they went through his devices they found a lot of very alarming internet searches uh, for underage pornography and also that he was looking up himself he was googling the task force that was investigating him as they were surveilling him and they eventually swooped
0: so he had been looking up things like one of his Google searches was, why could law enforcement not trace the calls made by the Long Island uh, killer? And he was also looking up things like Long Island serial killer phone calls. So he was obviously nervous about the phone call element of this.
1: He was, absolutely. You know, I mean, he clearly, he he must have expected at this point that he wasn't going to get away with it. But it's very interesting. And now he allegedly asked someone after the arrest, but I can't verify this. You know, is it in the news? I mean, this is a person who must, to some extent, be reveling in the notoriety and that he got away with it for so long. But I mean, there is quite a bit of evidence. And I mean, there's a lot of talk. He will likely be charged with the fourth murder of Maureen Brainard Barnes, who was found alongside the other three who he's already charged with.
0: And um, you mentioned burner phones, that they were a big part of the investigation, Do we know what he was using burner phones is a suggestion that he was using them to contact sex workers or what's the theory? Yes,
1: he was using the burner phones to contact sex workers and also to taunt at least one relative of one of his victims. So this guy was up to a bunch of nefarious stuff. He was buying the phones, it seems, sometimes in Midtown. They were tracing the location of his phone and the burner phones. That's one of the ways that they got him by locating where they were when the calls were made. And, you know, he would have been in Midtown at that time or he would have been in Massapequa Park and both his phone and the burner phones would have been in those locations. So they were just tracking him that way.
0: She you mentioned that he was taunting relatives of the victims. Explain that to me.
1: So after two of the victims were killed, um, I'm actually reading from the court documents here just to check the dates. So, yeah, in 2009... He used one of the phones, one of the victim's phones, to call her family, Melissa Bartholomew. So he was actually having conversations with at least one relative, taunting them, saying he killed and sexually assaulted his victim. I mean, this is a truly, truly evil and conniving person. And he still, some of those other internet searches he was conducting even recently, were for pictures of his victims and their family members. So this was a person thriving on pain.
0: So talk me through the charges that are actually up against him at the moment then.
1: So three counts of first degree murder and three counts of second degree murder, all in connection with Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman and Amber Costello. Now Maureen is the fourth who we think he'll probably be charged with but we'll wait and see. They have seized a huge amount of evidence from the family home in Massapequa Park as well as a storage unit in nearby Amityville and he's believed to have properties in Vegas and South Carolina too. So I I believe authorities are looking into whether he could be connected to other crimes there.
0: And what does that mean? Obviously, the American system is a little bit different from the Irish system. What would those charges bring in terms of a sentence?
1: Life in prison without the possibility of parole. So, I mean, he's not going to get the death penalty, but if he's convicted on those, he's never getting out.
0: Now, since obviously this has come out, police are widening their search, perhaps wondering, was what happened at Gilgo Beach an isolated incident, or could he actually be a suspect for... Other crimes that they never spotted or never suspected of mob before.
1: Well, they're definitely broadening it. And he has properties in Vegas and South Carolina. I believe they're looking there. And I actually spoke yesterday. I interviewed the daughter of the BTK serial killer. Now, he was arrested for 10 murders in 2005. And his daughter, this woman, I was asking her how she felt for the family of this suspect. And she mentioned, you need to go back 40 years to when he was a teenager and start looking through those decades for any other missing bodies. Like she was saying just from her own personal experience of serial killers, that he could have been active for far longer and in a far wider you know, region than we know about. So I, I would personally be surprised if more bodies are not linked to this guy.
0: And if the reaction at the time was shock and then I guess the story faded away, but there was still, as you said, people afraid to go out, this suspicion that there was a killer in the community around Gilgo Beach. What has the reaction been in the last few days to this development?
1: Well, I can tell you firsthand the reaction was every single person I know called me on Friday morning to be like, the Long Island serial killer has been caught. People did not expect it, I don't think. Most expected it to be a cop because for so long so much drama had gone down in the police department that I think people thought it was all connected uh just a lot of theories had taken on lives of their own now I there's a bit of a sense of relief and there's also a bit of sense of disbelief that this guy seems to be living this suspect such a normal Life literally next door. I mean, this could have been my streets. This was I can't overemphasize what a normal neighborhood this was. Uh, So, I mean, it is a killer next door. That's what everybody is saying. And in typical kind of Long Island attitude, they're going, well, we'll see. We'll just watch. Uh, Everyone is focusing on this big time. It's the only thing people are talking about.
0: But of course, he's not convicted yet. So what is the timeline? No, yeah,
1: not yet. <laughs> what
0: is the timeline on how all this plays out? Because he will, he won't necessarily, he'll put up a fight, You one would presume, in court to these charges. So how does this play out now?
1: Well, he's in custody and presumably charges are going to be added if more bodies are added. But the time frame is totally open-ended depending on how much more evidence they get because with the amount they've been hauling from the storage unit in his house I believe that will probably affect any trial going forward so there's a lot of moving parts right now I can't give you a time frame I mean also look at the the Molly Martins murder which happened how many years ago and that retrial still hasn't happened so I, I don't really know what time frame we're looking at
0: Well Sheila Finn we shall track it and perhaps talk to you again when it gets to court but for now thank you very much I'm Kevin Doyle and today's episode was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Gareth Mulhall, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips were from ABC, CNN, CBS, Law & Crime Network and the New York Times. If you enjoy The Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. We're offering Indo Daily listeners 50% off an Irish independent digital subscription. Head over to independent.ie forward slash redeem to sign up for unlimited access to premium content, e-paper, puzzles and more. Just enter the code INDO, that's I-N-D-O, to receive 50% off your subscription. Stay informed and engaged. Subscribe today.